Oh, the Dallas Mavericks get an exciting start, but couldn't finish the job. Exciting, exciting night in the AAC for a playoff opener for Luka Doncic, but they have some questions to be answered. Did the Clippers figure out the Mavericks, or did the Mavericks have an answer for what the Clippers did? We'll talk about this and all of that. Today's Locked On Maps. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. So yeah, just just you know, frustrated a little bit with with uh, with the shots not going in, but then again, I can't I can't really let that affect uh, the rest of my game. And welcome, you are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, the in arena. Horror, the one more thinking. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Okay, well, we're going to start off on a positive note real quick. If you were in the building tonight, hats off to you, especially for that first half of the first quarter. I got there super <laughs> I got there super early. Good job, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the whole night for real. But yeah. that, I mean, those first six minutes were, were special. And just the yeah getting there early there's a lot of stuff outside the arena the atmosphere you could just feel it Mavs fans back in the arena you know they had we had over 16,000 fans in the arena it's like we were all 17. reminiscing 17 was the official number let's go yeah we so we were all reminiscing there as media you know we started going to a preseason game this season with Minnesota coming in and i mean we could literally count the amount of people like we like we were hollering at Dwight Powell in preseason, like waving at him because the arena was so empty and him waving back before a game because there was nobody in the arena. And to <laughs> see so many people there tonight in those first six minutes and Luca scoring those first eight, eight points. I mean, I was just sitting there saying, when have I seen the arena like this? When have I seen Mavericks fans like this? And honestly, there's only another, one other moment for me. And that was, you know, Dirk's, Dirk's last game. Dirk's 30K night, Dirk's last game. The place was nuts, but it was almost a different type of nuts. And it just shows you the excitement of this like new chapter of Mavericks basketball and Luca having the city like in the palm of his hands right now, sports wise. Yeah, it was absolutely electric. It was it was wild to watch on TV, to hear it, to hear the the, the broadcast, to uh, I heard ESPN was kind of down in it out a little bit. And the, they, the, the crowd. crowd was way down because it, initially it was very high. Like you could hear the crowd a lot. And then eventually as they went through the first quarter, they turned it down even more, like more and more and more and more and more. Oh, but uh, yeah. All right. We're going to talk about the Dallas Mavericks loss in game three, 118 to 108. The Dallas Mavericks lose this game three. And it seems like the Clippers have found a couple things here. It seems like they've found some answers. So we'll get into that. We'll talk about that. Talk about this Mavericks run. And then what happened? How did the Mavericks fault drop this and then we have to talk about Porzingis I mean we will talk about Luca for sure in his hmm. his night but we have to talk about Porzingis it seems like the thing that everyone is talking about at the moment finish the game nine points three of ten from the field one of four from three and uh three rebounds four assists one steal zero blocks minus nine for the game in 34 minutes Christoph Porzingis scored six points in the first five minutes of the game he scored three more points 
the rest of the 43 minutes of the game. Now, the Mavericks weren't feeding him until the fourth quarter, which we'll get into, but it's not like they were setting him up really. They weren't really running any plays for him, but this guy is a $30 million max player, and he has been like strategized to the level of of just standing in the corner or standing on the wing and literally just spacing the floor. Like, like he's almost literally doing nothing else. He swings the ball around. He had some good passes tonight. He had a couple of rebounds that were good. Uh, He hit one three, right? Like there's a couple things that were good, but other than that, and there's two things there's, you're either a person that's going to say, well, the Mavericks aren't setting anything up for him. They're not doing this. You know, that's why he only had 10 shots and he, you know, couldn't get in any rhythm or anything like that. Or you look at it and say, he has been ineffective to the point that that he is just now like relegated to standing over on the side and just spacing the floor. It's literally his only role on offense at this point. Which side do you lean on? (laughs) Oh, which side do I lean on? Um Maybe I, if I had to pick, I would lean towards option two in that. Um, shot attempts tonight, Luca 28, Tim 14, Dorian 10, Kristaps 10. Only 10 shot attempts for, for Porzingis. And, you know, that, that stretch in the second half was, was just brutal. Of, you know, I think it's a combination of him and Rick, uh, the sense of, you know, they just tried to force it to him on the post. And it's like, I get that we have to get the non-Luka minutes. We have to try to get KP going. But it, it was just, it was, yeah, taking time off my life watching those possessions of just trying to get KP the ball so bad. And, you know, and after the game, he accepted, he's like, man, I got to make, you know, make those shots, that open three at the end of the game, you know, towards the end of the game that he should have made that. But it just they're almost better to just keep on running the offense through Brunson or Tim and not and like keep the rhythm going instead of trying to just change up everything of just trying to force it to KP on the post. But on the flip side too, he was just, I mean, they were taking advantage of him defensively. You know what they're doing? They're putting Kawhi on KP. We were just talking about this to where, you know, when Luca has the ball, you know, I know a lot of us like, Hey, we want to do the, the, you know, the pick and roll with KP and Luca, but they're putting Kawhi on KP to where if you run KP up and do a pick and roll with Luca, they're switching everything to when then you have Kawhi and Luca. And that's what Dallas is probably not they're trying to avoid that. And that's a smart move on Ty Lu's part of saying, All right, well, we don't we want we don't want you to run the pick and roll with KP. So we're just gonna keep switching and we'll put Kawhi on KP. And defensively, yeah, KP just couldn't switch tonight, and he was he was getting torched. And I think there's a bigger question right now. And we got the you know, the tweet tonight saying, "What's Carlisle's adjustments?" I think there's a bigger question of saying, "Do the Mavericks win this series if KP's playing in the fourth? And I think we might have that. That might be the last option we have. We might see from Chris from from Rick Carlisle to see. At the end of the games in the fourth quarter, in clutch moments in a clutch game, will he have to bench KP? And I think that's a real conversation that they might have to have. If Porzingis is literally only going to space the floor, they're not going to run screen and roll with him, which doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not a coach. I'm not smart as Rick Carlisle, but I don't understand why they ha- they when the Clippers went small and Zubats Ibaka didn't play and Zubats played 11 minutes in this game why they didn't run any kind of pick and roll with KP. 
if you have a seven foot three guy and you have Luca and they've we've had success in this with this before, it's not like that. KP is an ineffective roller. He's been a decent roll guy in the past. Why can't they just run any kind of screen and roll? That's my question. And just use KP size over Paul George or over a Kawhi Leonard or somebody like that. That to me is an area where they just haven't tried and they haven't. They didn't run a single one in this game that I saw. Maybe I missed one, but I didn't see a single. You know, pick and roll run in this game with. Luka I just don't and think they think that's going to be effective. Like, but that's, try it. Like, try, just try. <laughs> because yeah, I because you've seen was something that the Clippers did tonight. Paul George gets four fouls. He leaves the game. Then they come back in. How do they hide Paul George? They put him on Porzingis. Yeah, and it's like no that, pressure. Put it on shouldn't him. be that. You know, it should. It should be. Let's get the ball. But it's like, that's the type of thing. If, if KP's not getting that position down low and not sealing that defender, these smaller guys, then it's for, they're like, all right, well, you're going to get the ball to KP like the high post. So that, that's just not, he, he hasn't been efficient in that. So that KP taking advantage of the mismatches, this is something we want to happen and you hope to happen here for a 7-3 guy, but it just hasn't happened this year. And that's the, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. I don't want to go down that road too far, but that this is, these are big questions that as they advance in the playoffs, especially if the Clippers come out, th- this is the adjustment Ty Lue's made that we've been waiting for. We've been saying on this podcast, like Zubats just can't, isn't going to play like this. That's the move they have to do. That's why the Baca thing didn't mean anything to me because I think their best chance in this series is Zubats not playing a Baca not playing. We hyped up Terrence man so much saying this is the guy that he has to play. He was, I thought he was great tonight for the Clippers. Rondo was great tonight for the Clippers. They have to go small to have a chance in the series. Now, will the counter from Rick Carlisle be, we'll match you and we'll go even smaller. <laughs> we'll put KB, I mean, put Maxi at the five, Dorian at the four. Will they even entertain a lineup to where Dorian's at the five? And then they just throw out, like, that's they the never type. never played this year. But that's the type of stuff that will Rick Carlisle counter and even go smaller. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the counters. We'll talk about that in a little bit more coming up. Isaac Harris, yes. the Dallas Mavericks, lose this game. Let's start from the beginning now. We've talked about the big stuff. Uh, the Mavericks start this game. for an ad break. I was like, oh. They start this game 28-11. to 11. Yeah. They come fine. out and have a 17-point uh, lead early. It just looked like this was going to be the Clippers were going to were going to crumble the Mavericks were going to shoot the lights out Luca was on fire Luca started the first he had an 8-0 run to start the game by himself it just yeah. looked like it was going to be this this that that kind of a night for the Clippers and give credit to the Clippers you know this is a team that we we discussed the sweep and we discussed you know what if they do this but it was more speculation and what if this happened than you know something we expected I expected the Clippers to come out and and take some of these games still Mavs and six was kind of our was has been our our call this whole time. Yeah. If it's in six, that means you lose two games, right? Like you still have to to lose a couple of those. But I, uh, what did you think about the start of the game and the atmosphere and all that? Yeah. See, so my whole thing. We talked on locker room. Join us locker room uh, once a week. Normally, it's on Thursday. We had it tonight before the game. But I thought that we'd have no question about Dallas's energy and effort and everything tonight in front of the home or home crowd. What I did think was I thought that would kind of be at a disadvantage for them at the beginning. I thought it'd be kind of like a nerves, kind of like a college team, first game of the too NCAA hyped. tournament. It'd be almost like, yeah, too hyped. And I thought the Clippers, if there was a team that was going to come out and get a big lead at the beginning, I thought it'd be the Clippers tonight of trying to just set the tone early. 
And for Dallas to do that, I found myself saying, oh man, like they're going for the like the the uppercut knockout. And this is where I learned about the Clippers tonight. I didn't think they had that in them. I didn't think they had yeah, right. I didn't think they had the the mental part of the game as a team in them to take that big of a punch because that was a a boxer coming out saying, We're gonna hit you to the floor. And that was the Clippers hitting the the ring and them actually getting back up because if that was the moment tonight of saying if the Mavericks had a huge moment like that and they went up by almost 20, I didn't think the Clippers had it in them to say, we're going to come back. And not only did they come back, they came back quick. And it was non-Luka Doncic minutes in the first quarter. And for them to come back in the same quarter, I thought spoke a lot about their team. Uh it was Rondo to me. I thought that the leadership and you were telling me about some of the, the timeout stuff and Rondo barking at guys and at Kawhi that list, he, he did not care about barking at Kawhi. That was listeners yeah. were DMing me and saying, well, Rondo's calling out every single one of the Mavericks plays, you know, which have, which they've been talking about in the media and all that, but uh, beginning of the game. So we mentioned it. They got out to a 28 to 11 lead. Lucas subbed out at five minutes in the first quarter. And Brunson hit a layup. It was 30 to 11. And you're like, oh, dang, here we go. This is this is going to be the rest of this game. And then all of a sudden, Kawhi hits his first field goal with four minutes and 25 seconds left in the first quarter. And it was just kind of lights out ever since then. Right. Like, yeah, he he didn't he didn't get a single shot until four minutes and 25 seconds into the game. And that was basically the difference is that Kawhi started getting going and he never stopped. 13 of 17 from the game. 36 points on 17 shots. Yeah, he was, he was incredible. This is this is insane. Like, this does not happen. And Maxie's doing, I guess, his best, right? Like, he's he's trying yeah. on him, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. Maxie can be right in his face, and he's still hitting these shots. He's just on a different level shooting the ball right now. If Luca wasn't doing like doing everything that he's doing right now, everyone would be talking about how good Kawhi is right now because Kawhi's just yeah. on a completely another level sh- just shooting the ball. And Paul George, he he backed him up too, 29 points on 18 shots. Yeah. He was also lights out. Both of those guys, they shot 76% and 61% from the field. That's absolutely insane. So, we can talk all we want about the, you know, Porzingis's offensive struggles and about you know, the other guy's not shooting the ball well, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dorian and all that. The problem is the defense still. The problem for the Mavericks has been and will be the defense. In this series, though, it hasn't mattered that much because the Mavericks have had defensive ratings that are just in the tank. Like just this, some of the worst defensive ratings of games that are that they have won ever. I was looking before this game started, before the, the games on uh, Friday. I looked up all the Western Conference teams that had won games in the playoffs so far. These are their these are their defensive ratings in games that they won. Uh, in the in the Denver series, Denver won two games, and their their often their defense rating was 114 and 119. In Phoenix, Phoenix's first game that they won 97.8, their defensive rating really good. The Lakers game two they won 113. Lakers game three they won at 96.9. Uh, Memphis, the first game they won against Utah, their defensive rating was 111. The Mavericks in game one, the game that they won, 121 defensive rating. Like, that's just crazy that you win. How can you win a game when the Clippers are scoring that many points? That's 121 points per 100 possessions that they're scoring on you. In game two, their defensive rating was 124. 
Like, just, just absolutely brutal, this, this defense. The Mavericks were just able to overcome it with their offense. Now, in this game tonight, so I mentioned game one, 121. Game two, 124. Game three, 136. Ooh. Like, 136 is a, is a defensive rating you put up in a blowout, right? You get blown out. Like, I'm actually going to look this up right now. This is all per cleaning the glass, by the way, which takes out garbage time, takes out heaves, all that kind of stuff. But it's just absolutely wild. This is... That's an offensive rating that you put up in a game that you just completely blow out the other team. The team just doesn't show up almost at all, right? Like, (laughs) you don't win games that way. Uh, But the Mavericks' offense is somehow finding a way to win some of these games. The Mavericks' offensive rating in their 50-point win over the Clippers was 148, (laughs) right? Like, you're reaching those levels of – you're reaching that territory of, like, just completely blowing out a team – uh, in, in that way, right? Like just wild. So the Mavericks defense is to blame and there's a lot of different angles we could take with that. Their defense is to blame, but the, their shooters also, I mean, they came out to shoot. I mean, you, I mean, they shot 58% from the field tonight. The Clippers did as a team, 42% from three. That was, I mean, they were the number one team this year. That's what they shot. 42%, 94% from the free throw line. So they only missed one free throw as a team. It's like, yeah, I mean, y'all watched the same game I did, and you f- probably felt the same thing you did watching it as you, as we did in the arena when Luca missed those free throws in the fourth quarter. And it's like they missed six free throws as a team, 12 of 18, 66%. You know, the Mavericks did from the free throw line. So, you know, the Clippers just, they shot the lights out from not just three, but just from the whole, like, court tonight. You know what, Marcus Morris... Okay, he missed two. I feel like he had every three in that corner. In the tonight. fourth, he did. He hit every three. But that's the thing. It's like you've seen some of the stuff they did with bringing the smaller lineup. They put Marcus Morris at the small ball five. They put three of them over there in the corner, and Dallas just struggled. You know, rotating, and it's like they, it felt like everybody was just getting there a second too late to Marcus Morris, and he would hit that corner three pointer. If they wouldn't, you know, they would ISO Kawhi Leonard on one side. If they you know try to bring the double, Rick said after game, he said they were almost they were baiting us in, in some situations to these traps. And if it wasn't Kawhi, then Rondo, I mean, Rondo played a really good game tonight. As much as we hate it, he was a plus 22 in this game. Rondo would would get into the paint. He'd hit an outside shooter. And Marcus Morris hit the shot. And And Reggie Jackson hit four threes. And there's a hilarious photo I tweeted out of Rondo flopping when Luka had the ball. And he looks like he's dying. Like, it just looks like he just died in midair. Do do we want to talk about the Terrence man, Willie Colley-Stein? Yeah, this whole thing is just so, so... I mean, there's there's so many. So I mean, at the begin at the end of the first quarter, I mean, if we're walking through the game, oh, okay. the Clippers kind of climbed back there, and then with minute thirty, the Clippers had gone on a fourteen to one run, <laughs> fourteen to three run, fourteen to four run, I think, with Luca on the bench, and the Mavericks fouled to try and get Luca back in the game. Yeah. That to, that to me was a desperation move that you don't want to see on a team like that. Should have told you right there they weren't going to win this game. Right, yeah. like it's, Rick told Josh to foul at the top of the key. That's a level of belief that you don't have in your team. We're like, okay, only with Luca can we win this game. I don't know if that's showing belief in your team. I don't know if that's on Rick or on the players themselves or whatever. But they needed a foul to get Luca back in the game, and then Luca gets back in the game, and they get that, that really dumb double technical on Patrick Beverly and Luca, where Luca barely said anything to him. Just they, laughed. <laughs> laughed at him and kind of walked away and didn't and de-escalated it to be honest, and then he walks away. Double technical on him, which doesn't make any sense. Super soft. Uh, honestly, soft on pa- on the technical on Patrick Beverly, too. Like, 
Unless he said magic words. How many times do I got to say that in this playoffs? Unless he said magic words. Right? Like, whatever. <laughs> I don't that, know at this the, point. It's the after so the many ball crap that, that Beverly, Rondo, and these guys, they try to do this crap to Morris. see how much they can get away. And it's like, you know, Luca gets the foul called against him. He upset. He starts, you know, trying to go to the ref. And Beverly goes up and starts trying to grab the ball. And it's like, and, and what was Reggie Jackson doing in the second half? Trying to face guard Tim Hardaway. Three feet out of bounds over in fr- on the front row. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, and how was that? Not, why, why did they not give anything to anyone? It may have gotten their heads, though. It could have worked, right? Like, it could have worked. That could be the only way. And this is, I mean, this is where the series starts now for the Mavericks, right? Like, I think it really starts now because the Clippers have now responded. The Mavericks came out and they, they hit him with the first. Because if the Mavericks had won this game, the series is over. Yeah. So for me, the series starts now because the Clippers have made their response. The Mavericks won their two games, and now you have four more games. Mavericks have to win two. Clippers have to win three. Yeah. That, that's how it works out right now. Mavericks have to win two of the next four games. Yeah, I mean. That's how, uh, at, yeah, go ahead. Well, was after the Mavericks won the, you know, the first two games, it's, you know, the Clippers, can they beat Luka Doncic four out of five times? Yep. And that's the, that's the question. And for tonight, you know, a lot of talks being, you know, about KP right now. And when you look at the scoring across the board outside of Luca, when when Luca has 44, there can't be a 30 point difference between Luca and the second leading scorer. There just no. can't. We you can't have it because the Unless next Luka guy scores 60 or four, four or 50. Well, I mean, we joked tonight. So, um I got the honor of enjoying the night with our friend Jonathan Charks and we enjoyed the game together. And, and John looked at, at me and it was like the second quarter. He said, you know, Luke is going to have to put up 50 to, for them to win tonight. And I was like, I kind of like joked my, like, yeah, you're right. And we we're laughing in the fourth quarter. He had 41 at the time. And he's like, yeah, he didn't get 50. And <laughs> like where, but, but that's the thing. It's like, he shouldn't have to get 50. And this is, we're expecting him. Like he almost has to average like, I know we joked about it the other day. Like he has to average forty in this series, and he shouldn't have to. We need close. Like, you have to get some people like Tim. You know Tim tonight, four of fourteen, four of six from three. But it wasn't all on Tim. And I credit Sharks for this because Sharks was pointing this out very early in the game. He said, "Look at their game plan right now." He's like, "They're get, they're letting Luca do his thing." He said, "But they're making a point to take Tim Hardaway out of this game." And if you go back and watch some of this, some of the defensive things that Lou and the Clippers were doing, trying to take away some of these catch and shoot shots, trying to be in his grill the whole time, they were trying to take Tim out of this and just let Luca do his thing. And tonight it worked. I mean, Tim 14, Brunson had 14. KP didn't even hit 10 points. It's like, nope. you can't have the first two games of the series, Tim Hardaway out, out, outscored and outplayed Paul George. Tonight, Paul George outscored Tim and KP. It's like that that just can't happen. Luca has to have a little bit more help in that. Yep. Uh if KP's gonna take himself out and t- then the Clippers are gonna take Tim Hardaway out, right? Like it's kinda on Brunson then, right? Like that, that, that's the a next guy. A lot is hinging up. on Brunson right now. Yeah. That's the next guy to step up if if that's your options, right? If the if the first two are are gonna be taken out. Luca, by the way, averaging thirty eight points in this series now. <laughs> That's pretty wild. It didn't even seem like he went off in this game. First quarter, yeah, but... Although those first few possessions were just... 
I mean, imagine. it was an other world in, in that arena. And JJ Barea in the house tonight. Dirk Nowitzki yeah. in the house tonight. It was really cool. Seeing Dak it. Prescott, Zeke Elliott. Where did I see? I didn't. Michael I didn't Irvin. Any, I didn't see anything on the broadcast. So, or a lot of Isaac Harris was there. I was there. And honestly, shout out to a lot of you guys. I know a lot of Lockdown Maps listeners reached out through DMs, tweeting, saying, "Hey, can we meet up? Can we ask him for tickets?" That? Oh wait, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> that does happen too. <laughs> uh, but guys, I would love, maybe we can figure out a, once Nick gets it back to Dallas, uh, hopefully soon that we can set up a, a locked on Mavs, like, I don't know, get together or something meet up. and yeah, meet up. I, I'm just, I apologize that I couldn't get to all of you guys around the arena tonight, but I really just appreciate too popular. You. You're just too popular. No, no, no. I pre- I felt bad about it, but also am there to hashtag work. Um, <laughs> WRKN, and uh, I just don't have. I couldn't. I couldn't make it happen. But I thought seriously. I, I, I mean, I, I've been trying to get to something, but you keep doing one oh, more thing. Sorry. So at the end of the first quarter, so Luca comes back in. They foul to get the Luca. First quarter. I know you foul to get Luca back in. Double technical, and then the flagrant one from Willie Collie Stein on Terrence Mann. This starts this whole thing where. Luke or Willie Collison fouled Terrence Man. Now, did he follow through a little bit? Yeah, he hit him in the head. That's probably a fl- that's a flagrant one by the rules now. I've never seen somebody's legs crumble like that off like a face, like a hand to their like neck head area. Terrence Man was doing a lot. <laughs> he was doing a lot. He was doing a he lot was. in this game. So he got that's, really mad too. So that happened. And then you get to the you get to halftime. Mavericks are keeping in it, right? Kawhi has Kawhi has um what do you have? He had 18 points on nine an eight of nine shooting. Paul George had 22 points on 10 of 13 shooting. They're just shooting lights out yeah. in the first and second. At the end of the first and the in the second quarter. It's just absolutely wild how well they're shooting. KP has six points. The only six points that he scored in the first five minutes of the game. And didn't didn't score again the rest of the half or rest of the first half. Luca had 26 at the half. Uh, and then you get into the third quarter, and <laughs> two minutes and twenty-two seconds left. Willie Colley Stein, after yeah, after a after a made Mavericks basket, pushes Terrence Mann to the face. Okay, pushes him in the face. Terrence Mann crumbles. I'll use Kevin Gray's analogy. He crumbles like a cheap tent and just like falls to the ground. Like literally, like one of those like one of those little figures you get at a novelty shop where you, where you there's a little base and you push the base down and the character just like crumbles, right? Yeah. And then you 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 uh stop pushing it and then it goes back up, right? There's a string in the middle of it or whatever and it crumbles. Like he just falls down just like that after getting yeah. hit in the face. And he falls down and then Willie Collison just runs to the other end of the court to go play defense. And Terrence Mann, and the refs don't call anything. Nothing is called. They didn't see it. They, nothing was called. Terrence Mann gets up, runs runs up to half court, charging at Willie Colley-Stein. Just absolutely charging it, like ready to get held back, I think, right? Like yeah. he's not going to punch him. He right? No, he <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. Nobody does that in the NBA. So <laughs> he charges him. And then all of a sudden, the refs like stop play for no reason at all. Just because Terrence Mann, he was running aggressively, and they stop play for for nothing at all. And then they go and review it for like the longest time. These replays are ridiculous, like just absolutely wild. They call it a technical foul on Willie Collison for physical taunt. What does this What does this mean? Physical taunt is like what they teach you in improv class when you're supposed to be have, be like in a real aggressive scene. You're like the aggressor in a scene or something. Like, what is that? 
I've never heard that phrase before. How many how many years have we watched basketball? I I didn't understand. I didn't understand some things Kane Fitzgerald did tonight, but it's Kane Fitzgerald. So Kane Fitzgerald, very low on my list of Canes that I like. Kane Pittman, locked on Bucks, Kane raising Canes, and then like a thousand other things, and then Kane Fitzgerald, probably. Yeah. Uh, but that was really ridiculous. And then End of the third quarter, the Mavericks had a really stupid shot clock violation that I just that just drives me nuts. Don't run the clock down at the at the beginning of a possession. It makes no yeah. sense. Maybe you take away half a possession for the Clippers, but you're wasting a possession on your own. It's like the two for one thing, right? Mm. <laughs> Don't get me uh, started. But yeah, you you get to the end of the game. The Mavs were putting up a fight. They were going back and forth. Clippers got out to their largest lead with uh, six minutes left in the in the fourth quarter, and it was just kind of it was just kind of over there. The Mavericks didn't really have an answer, but in the fourth quarter. Luca was dealing with some shoulder thing. Now, after the game, he said it started in his neck and then went down to his shoulder. He was he had some ice on it while he was on the bench, and then he got into the game and he was messing with it. And so it seemed like what the Mavericks tried to do is while Luca was dealing with that shoulder injury, and he was hitting shots when he had that injury, anyways. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, I think, yeah, I think it's <laughs> it's his left shoulder anyway, so it's it's not like it's his shooting shoulder. But while he was dealing with that. They were trying to feed KP, and they tried to feed him four possessions in a row, it felt like, in the fourth quarter, even sometimes when Luka was on the court during these. And it was just, that was the worst offense Mm -hmm. the Mavericks have run. And it made no sense to me because it's not just because they're trying to feed KP that's it's the worst offense. It's because that's the first time they tried to do it all game. Yeah. Like they didn't. They, KP has talked all season. We, it's talked to, to we're blue in the face. We're blue in our shirts, and we're going to be blue in our face. Blue out. That... KP needs rhythm at the beginning of the game. So he gets a, he gets six points early in the game on that run. And then he didn't touch the ball the whole second quarter. Yeah. He just didn't touch the ball. And then third quarter, he barely touched the ball too. And then he comes in the fourth quarter, and you're like, all right, let's get him posted up and wait till he can sit here at the top of the key with the ball and wait till he gets posted up so we can pass it in. The guy can't get posted up on his own. He just can't. Not against this team. Not against Rondo, Beverly, Batum. Like, name a single player he can get posted up on. None of them. No. There's not a single player on this Clippers team he can get posted up on. There just isn't. There's not a guy like that. Reggie Jackson, probably. But even Reggie Jackson, we've seen break up some KP post-ups. And so then they just start trying to run this KP post-up again and again in the fourth quarter. And it makes no sense to me. I guess they were just trying something different or yeah. it didn't make any it didn't make any sense at all to me. And it was taking years off my life, <laughs> basically, when they were doing that. Uh, yeah, and then at the end of the game... The Mavericks defense just showed up in just the worst way. Marcus Morris hit like four threes in the corner, the same corner every time. KP was his guy, and somebody would drive into the paint, and KP would come over and overhelp too far. And then Luca would Luca was on the same side as him, and then he would overhelp too. And then they would both be helping in the paint, and there'd be two guys open for three. It's either Morris or Batum or whoever it was, and then that guy would get a three, and he hit all of them, and it just it just got out of the it just got out of the you know the Mavs. Uh, way there but yeah yeah, the, yeah that's the, how the game ended <laughs> yeah they just couldn't make some shots towards the end you know Luca hit some threes to kind of just keep them within a little bit of distance but you know Luca missed some free throws kp those kp post-ups didn't work kp missed the you know three on the wing <clears throat> and they just couldn't play the defense they couldn't rotate well and that was that was the fourth quarter and you know credit to tyloo for making those changes right i yep. think it, was, it might it might end up being a little too late if Dallas you know pulls off the series and stuff that he could be looking at it saying dang I should have done this earlier. Do you think it's too late for him? Not for, him, for the Clippers in this series. 
Yeah, I mean, I still think Mavericks win in six. So okay, I think I think the series starts now. I think we're gonna learn a lot about these two teams. Yeah, in game four. So, game four is massive for the Mavs. This this game was huge for the Clippers. Game for four sure, is massive, massive for the Mavs because if the Clippers win game game four, then the se- I mean series starts completely over, right? Like yeah, and then well, the, it's the Clippers have momentum. Series. They have momentum, but Dallas says, "Hey, we've won in LA before. Let's do this and come back home true, and true. all that." So it, yeah, but you know, <laughs> like credit to Ty Lue on that. Of you know, Pat Beverly didn't even play in the second half. He started the yeah. you know, first two games and Reggie Jackson replaced him tonight in a starting unit. They still started Zubats and, you know, Pat Beverly played what, five minutes in this game. And I mean, he had his, he made his presence known. In those Did he five. really only play five minutes? Yeah. Five, five wow. minutes, and 38, five, 30. He kept showing up in places, right? Like he kept showing up on the sidelines yeah. and stuff. He like, tries so hard makes to feel like he's playing, but he really did. Valuable, man. That's but, wild. But no, it's like that's you know he's making changes. Terrence Mann's playing. Batum, you know, Batum started the second half in place of Zubots. Like this is he made his chess move. It worked out. You know, it worked out for them. You know, being able to switch and all of that. They also shot the lights out. There's two stars. We're two stars. Like they did what they were supposed to do, right? They combined yep. for 65 points between your two all stars in Kawhi yep. Leonard and Paul George. They did everything. Their stars did what they had to do. The role players hit shots, and Tyloo made adjustments. Now we'll see what what Dallas does in response. Will it will it shock me if it gets into a, a clutch moment fourth quarter, and KP is benched, and we see a lineup of Maxi, Dorian, Tim, Luca, and either Brunson or Josh? I think it should happen. I think that that is the route that we'll eventually see. It's just, will that happen in game four? Or will Rick say, all right, let's kind of do the Ty Lue approach and say, let's roll out our same game plan and say, okay, one of those things isn't going to happen. They're, they're not going to shoot 42% from three, even though they did through the whole season. Or Paul George and Kawhi, are they going to come on for 65 again? What are they telling themselves? Will they roll out the same game plan and say, let's bank on one of those things not happening? Or will Rick make the, the switch now and the adjustments now saying, all right, now we're going to make a few more changes. And that that's where I'm curious on. And because I'm not really watching this game saying this is on Rick Carlisle. I, I don't think there was a lot of things that, in my opinion, that Rick did in this game to say, oh, Rick didn't do this, didn't do that. I think this was a collective thing of just supporting Cass and KP not doing his thing. And yeah. If if the defense doesn't know how to communicate now, it may be on the coach. <laughs> well, if we're, if we're having Luca and KP help off of their uh, help off their men and then not stay home on these three point shooters, maybe maybe it's on the coach. But you could say the same thing about the Clippers in game one. So. I was going to say I think uh, <laughs> the personnel uh, it has a lot to do with that too, more than communication. Yeah, but at some point you got to know where you're supposed to be on defense and. Sure. Damn it! If Kristaps Porzingis doesn't know where he's supposed to be on defense on almost every play, I wasn't on Twitter at time. But did people overanalyze the fourth quarter possession, which Luca tried to drive and then throw to KP and KP cut instead of staying there? And I did. I thought that that was the end of the game. Their interaction off that and just everything. I was like, oh man, fans are gonna They're- just really be about this. They were, Clippers are up by nine, so that's a three possession game. You can get back in in three possessions, right? Yeah. It's- about four, five, about five minutes left when that possession happened, and Luca drives on the right side of the lane. KP's in the right corner, and then and KP drive like cuts into the lane or dives into the lane, and Luca throws it to him back in the corner and misses him. And I thought the game was over there. You could just kind of tell, right? They're not on the same page. 
Yeah. If those two guys offensively are not, we're not seeing any of the stuff we saw last year with those two guys running a little two man game and all that. Kind of, we're not seeing any of that because KP barely screens for Luca because they're trying to get the mismatch with Maxi's man or with Hardaway's with Hardaway's man, right? Yeah. And if we're not seeing any of that, take KP out. He's not doing anything else. Yeah. Brunson <laughs> can bring the, Clipper, the spacing. The Clippers <laughs> found their five. Like <clears throat> their five yeah. that they found tonight with Rondo playing well, Rondo Morris. Paul George, Kawhi, and then Nick Batum. And it's either Batum or Reggie Jackson. I, I thought Reggie Jackson and, and Rondo played well against each other. And even in you know a couple of Zubats' minutes, I mean, how frustrated were you when Zubats got like, I don't know, five offensive boards in a matter of like two minutes? <laughs> because I think the arena was yeah. ready to just come on the court. They were <laughs> so frustrated. Well, Dorian, Dorian had 10 shot attempts in this game, and I think four of them were on the same possession. He kept trying to tip the ball back in and couldn't get it in. <laughs> yeah, I, the, we, Dorian had 10 shots. I don't know if we hold all 10 shot attempts against him. He was trying to get he, – he had a couple putbacks and one of them in traffic. But yeah. Any other thoughts from this game being there? I mean, the Mavericks <laughs> – this is a – there's still – okay, here's the thing. Okay, this is us, positive, positive reframing a little bit. Yeah. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard – Shot 70% from the field, right? Scored 65 points, and it was a, uh, like a, it was almost a clutch game for the Mavericks. Seven-point game with five minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, they're right there. And a couple of things didn't happen, right? Like, Dorian missed all three of his threes. That probably won't happen again. Porzingis was one of four from three. That's probably not going to happen again. Hardaway was four of six from three, but the Mavericks shot 50% from three. And shot forty four percent from the field. What does that tell you about what they shot from two? Right, like yeah. Mavericks couldn't hit any jumpers inside of the three point line. So that's an anomaly. That probably won't happen again. Uh, yeah, and so there there are things to take away from this game. The Mavericks could have won this game, and if they did, it would have been a steal. They would they would have stolen yeah. this game for Lu- yeah for yeah it would have been it would have been a steal for sure if both the, those stars put up sixty five points and a non Luca Maverick didn't have over 14 points like that. I mean, that's just, that's massive. And <clears throat> that's why I'm not, I'm not walking out of this game, like pissed off. I'm not super mad. I wanted them to win this game. And if they did, I thought it would be a sweep. I thought when they made that punch in the first quarter, I was like, I did fall victim to the, Oh, this is over. Like this is all. Oh over. yeah. You had to, because I just didn't think the Clippers had it in them. And that's we where haven't I, seen the Clippers respond. I learned, that way yeah. I, I learned about the Clippers tonight and yep. I, I gained. They had some respect gained uh, from me tonight in that. Do I still, do I think they win the series? No, I think Mavericks win the win the series in six. But man, this this next game is going to be huge, and I think this is where we've talked about before. This is where Rick Carlisle comes into play. Yeah, we hear all the time about how he's a wizard of in game adjustments and all this. I I want to see how Rick coaches different in Game Four and what you know decisions he makes with lineups and stuff and. We'll see. And the KP question is the biggest thing of all. How much does he play? Does he play in the fourth? Do they try to highlight him, you know, offensively? Do they? I. We'll see. It's with with Rick and KP. It's a little bit of a Roy Kent moment, and you don't understand this because you won't watch Ted. Lasso, oh, great which, analogy, which angers me to to no end. Maybe more so than this Mavericks loss. You not watching Ted Lasso angers me, but. Roy Kent is at the end of his career, and he's this guy that's been been great for a long time, but. He's not playing well. And so he had like Ted Lasso has to take him out. But Ted Lasso this whole season has been trying to get in get, trying to get Roy Kent to be on his side. Once Roy Kent's on his side, he gets the rest of the team. 
And it seems like that way with the Mavericks. Once KP is on Rick's side and plays the role that he's supposed to play, which he played in game two, he played that role, scored 20 points, and the Mavericks won. Yeah. If he plays his role that he's supposed to play and does what, what the coach wants him to, does what Ted Lasso wants him to do, he'll be he'll be in. And now Rick has to make a decision. All right, if KP's not going to do that, if he's not able to play the role I want him to, if he's not able to do the things that we need him to do, like Roy Kent, then I have to take him out. And to take him out, it goes against everything he's been saying all season about how KP's a star and he's the second most important player and he's the you know second best offensive player and all that stuff. He's been like what's the soliloquy word? Like he's been bounding soliloquies all over, all over Chris Alperzingas all season, which some of it is hyping him up in the media, which he does, which Rick does all the time with players. Now he has to, now he has to bench him essentially. Right. I mean, unless KP comes back and how many times have we said, unless KP brings it, then he, then they have to do this. Right. I mean, how many more times can we say that until it just becomes something that won't happen. So Rick has to make that decision. Now maybe he force feeds KP more. Maybe he tries to figure out how to get him into the game. The other thing is KP scored 38 points last year in the series. So yeah. there's something that worked then that just doesn't seem to be working now. Maybe it's KP's mentality towards the team. Maybe it's the uh, this whole season of build up to him being confused about his role. There's something there that's just not working because he was a monster in last in last year's series and he's just as a non-factor in this one and maybe that's what they get in game four maybe game four is the kp game <laughs> well, we were hoping this one was I mean, we were yeah waiting. we were hoping but it's like maybe maybe that's it maybe a bubble kp performance comes out in game four and gives them a three one you know lead in the series and it's uh, yeah we'll see we, we don't know but i just know that game four is gonna be a lot of fun at least at the beginning and nick's looking for a sound you know what he should do, though? Oh, no. 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 Don't go out, KP. Game Stay one. Stay 14 in. points. No. Didn't shoot the ball well. Don't. Game two goes to the club. 20 oh. points on good shooting. <laughs> Game three doesn't go to the club. Nine points. I'm. Stay home. I'm Stay just home. saying. <laughs> Stay, home. Stay home, KP. I'm just saying. He's got 50K to burn. So does Cuban. Also, Ballmer got more screen time in this game than he did in any of the first two games combined. Oh, he was there tonight? He got he got screen time during play. It was driving everyone on Twitter nuts. He was there, yeah. Interesting. He can be everywhere. Yeah, again. That's a that's a guy that goes and is like he doesn't even look at what when the plane tickets are. He's just, oh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need to. He can just go. There you go. All right, we've we've gone way over, but we'll be back Sunday night. We'll be breaking down Game four, huge game, I think. This is an absolutely massive game. The Mavericks win it. Massive. Yes. Massive. massive Either way, game. they're going back to L.A. for at least a game. So They are going back to L.A. now. That is that is guaranteed. So hopefully the Mavs will play as well in L.A. that they did KP in L.A. the happy. first time. So there you go. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Oh. Luka against Zubats. The crossover, clipped his leg. Now he'll shoot the step back check, and it's good again. Is there anything more confident than the way Luca feels when Zubats is switched off on him?